Welcome to the Lady Beta Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Mern. I'm a certified health coach, certified personal trainer, and soon to be a certified brain rewiring coach. We're going to be talking about all things training, nutrition, mindset, and hormone balancing for the Lady Climber. You can learn more about me and the services I offer over at ladybetacoaching.com and over on Instagram at ladybeta.coaching. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I am so so excited for you to listen to this interview with Lauren today. She is one of my absolute favorite clients. She is fucking hilarious. She is such a joy to work with and I cannot wait. If you do not already know Lauren, make sure you go follow her at Good Spray Coaching over on Instagram. She is so funny and she brings so much light and joy to what she does. She is a fantastic climbing coach. She is extremely well researched. She puts so much time, energy, and effort into her clients' plans and I cannot wait for you guys to get to know Lauren better. She is amazing. She is just stellar at what she does and she deserves all the recognition in the world. I'm super pumped because her newest program Crush It is out now. This is a program designed specifically for sport climbers looking to get stronger in a way that feels really good for them. You're also going to learn about how to train yourself in this program too. And I'll link everything in the show notes to where you can find out more about Lauren. You can find out more about her newest program. It's on sale right now for $100 off. It is a fantastic deal. I have seen this program. It's fucking amazing. It's beautiful. It looks professionally done and it is so detailed. Every single thing you think you'd need to know in there to get stronger like she's included it tons of beautiful videos a glossary and a beautiful training log as well so that you can track your progress and at the end of it be able to actually go out and send your project so again I'll link everything in the show notes and without further ado let's dive into this interview with Lauren Hello everyone. Today we have Lauren of Good Spray here and I am so excited to have her because we've been working together for months and she literally lights up my day every time we get to talk and she is so passionate about coaching. She's so passionate about helping her athletes achieve their goals and truly she is one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to working with people because I see how much she cares and it's just been really fun to be working with her. So Lauren, go ahead and tell my audience a little bit more about you if they don't know you already. Oh, well, thanks, Chelsea. Honored, honored to get to work with you. It's been an absolute joy these past few months. I shudder to think about how I'd probably still be at my nine to five that I've hated um, if, you know, we didn't start working together. So happy to be here. So I am Lauren Abernathy. I am an engineer by collegiate degree, but as of recently, I guess, oh my goodness, it's been more than about six months, I left my nine to five and pursued my dream of being a climbing coach. And I've also recently moved from New Jersey to Salt Lake City. So I'm just really in the middle of changing up a lot of things about my life, which includes coaching rock climbers and going skiing a hell of a lot more than I ever have before. So it's been a fun past few months. Yeah, and definitely a lot more available here in the Salt Lake area, especially, yeah, yeah, especially for climbing and the snow scene. Um, The day that we're recording, we just got a ton of snow. So I know you're like itching to get out. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, the rose in Salt Lake City as of today, February 17th, 2021 is completely black, which means that avalanche danger is maybe as high as we'll ever see it in our lifetime. So not skiing today. Right. 
tomorrow though <laughs> through some powder for sure <laughs> tomorrow it's on so tell me a little bit more about so being you know a female in a pretty much still male dominated industry like what was one of those first things that you were like okay I think I want to be a coach like I really want to help other people Ooh. okay so as I mentioned somehow I ended up in a career field where I just super did not belong so the only like part of my day that I felt really alive was going rock climbing and I pretty much just lived for my weekends of getting outside and then I realized that the feeling of working super hard in the gym for months and then going outside and having that payoff on you know routes that inspired me I'm primarily a sport climber so seeing that payoff and seeing that with a lot of diligent work and making training that made sense for what I wanted to do that I could achieve things outside. So I just got so much fulfillment from climbing that I wasn't getting in other parts of my life that I just really wanted to help other people, especially people that didn't have a ton of time. So when I was in New Jersey, um, fortunately I lived very close to the climbing gym, but to get to sport climbing, it was a 12 hour drive round trip. So my now fiance and I would drive Six hours starting at four in the morning, leaving essentially New York City because um, it was easier than fighting the Friday night traffic. We'd get there at about 10, be like, oh, what time is it? I guess we're rock climbing now. And then turn around at about 2 p.m. the next day. It was insane. And we would do that six weekends in a row in the fall when running was good. So I get what it's like to not have tons of time. Um, and it was a, obviously a privilege to even be able to do that. But I, I understand the struggle. So I want to help other people deal with that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that's been a big focus of yours too, is kind of like the weekend warrior. So the person that maybe does work the nine to five and then has that limited time. So tell me a little bit more about that, about how you go working with your clients to really make sure they maximize the time that they do have. Totally. So one of the things that I try to do, if people don't already have it set up, having a hangboard and a few things at your house is just such a win if that's one night of the week or one morning that you don't have to spend, you know, 10, 15, 30, 40 minutes in the car round trip to go to the gym. It's just such a, especially because you could have a really great strength session in your house that takes 45 minutes. So that's one tip that I always have for people is if you can get strength training done in your house somehow, whether that be with a very limited setup or not, it's such a such a good thing to do. And the other thing I think a lot of athletes don't realize is that quality training doesn't necessarily have to take that much time. If you can get two or three quality quality climbing gym sessions taken care of during the week that go from 90 minutes to two hours, but everything you're doing has a purpose and a focus, that's actually pretty good. Frankly, I'm, you know, when I started training, I was working on climbing 511A was the goal. Now I'm focusing more on 13. And I'd say my training volume really hasn't changed that much. I mean, doing that, but having a focus for that time that I'm using in the gym, I've gotten pretty far. And a lot of my athletes come very far doing the exact same thing. So you don't have to spend oodles and oodles of time in the climbing gym to pursue your climbing goals. 
Right. Yeah. And that's super powerful too, is like that minimum effective dose, because at a certain point, like we can't just add more and more and more, like A, your body's not going to be able to handle it and B, you're going to run out of hours in the day. So tell me a little bit more about you spent a significant chunk of the beginning of, you know, 2020, kind of like right when the pandemic hit training in your house, like very specifically. So tell me more about that process. Oh, yes. Okay. So yeah, pandemic hits, right? I'm I'm a month out from going climbing in the Red River Gorge and I was like psyched and then March happens and I was in Hoboken, New Jersey at the time which if you're not familiar it's a 10 minute bus ride from Manhattan essentially that's where I worked so think New York City but not quite because anyone in New York City will be like well you were in New Jersey so it doesn't count blah 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 but whatever city life enough apartment enough so they closed our apartment gym was closed The Hoboken government was asking people, if you can work out in your house, please don't go on runs. They were really pushing the do not go outside if you do not have to for any reason. So I would spend, it'd be like six days at a time in my 800 square foot apartment. And then I would leave to go to the grocery store, which was fortunately, I lived on top of a Trader Joe's, which was incredible until the only event of the week was going to Trader Joe's, which was not enough of an adventure at all when you're inside your apartment all the time. So as soon as it happened, I panic purchased a lot of kettlebells and a doorframe pull-up bar and just really got to work on my flashboard. So that was pretty much March, April, May was learning a lot about kettlebells, doing a stupid amount of hangboarding and just trying to measure something and stay psyched about whenever the heck the next time I was going to get to climb was. So it was wild. It was a wild time. It's all a blur. I, I look back and I cannot believe it was three whole months, but it was, it was nuts. Right. And it really worked out for you, too. So tell me a little bit more about you went on a trip to Wyoming and that was kind of like your test piece is like, okay, did all of that training pay off? And it sounds like it really did. Yeah, I'm really I know for a lot of people getting yourself to do something during the pandemic was really hard. And obviously for all of us, you know, it's it's this mental pressure that's just there all the time for me, continuing to do something and just trying to have goals was the only thing that kept me going. I also had a tally of how much water I was drinking every day because I just needed to keep track of that too. It was, it was such a wild time really, but yes. So I get out of quarantine. I actually moved back to Ohio with my parents just because Ohio was a little bit less locked down or I was at least able to, you know, go out into the backyard Um, and climbing gyms had started to open by about June in Ohio. So for the month of June, I got to get back into a climbing gym and I basically hit power endurance really hard for a month. I just got back into climbing. It was wind bouldering and power endurance work for a month, probably four days a week. I was definitely going hard in the gym to try to get whatever I could back and then went to Wyoming and I had the most successful climbing trip I had ever had to date. It was kind of crazy. So if anyone is out there in quarantine, like, well, I I will probably only have a month from whenever. You can probably still make something work, but figuring out a way to be progressing your finger strength or keeping something in check while you're at your house is a good idea. 
Yeah. But it was very inspiring to see that if you just have some focus and kind of a plan, even if it seems like it's crappy and not ideal, that it can still work out. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the key point there too is like having a plan. So talk to me a little bit about the importance of having something that's probably both written, structured, consistent. Like I think that for most people is the biggest thing because yeah, like you can totally randomly do push-up challenges, you know, like we were all doing last year and everything and like tagging people <laughs> yeah. or whatever, but like that's, it's totally not sustainable. And after a little bit, it wears off and you just like, it's hard to stay motivated with that. Right. It's so hard. If you want to progress as a climber, if you don't have something written out that is recorded, it's really hard to say. A of all, let's say you do something. You kind of have a plan. It's just in your head. And then you do that thing for two months, three months, and it works and it works well, you go back in a year because you always go on a trip to wherever and you want to know what that looked like. If you don't have a record of it, ah, you're not going to know what you did. For example, when I was preparing for Wild Iris this year, I looked, I have a stack of journals. I'm looking at them right now. I think I have, oh man, we're up to like six or seven full of training. Some people really like to put their stuff in Excel sheets and I've aspired to do all this, but now I think I'm too far gone. I can just find like the year I need to look at and I kind of go with it. But I literally opened up my notebook of how I trained the six weeks before my trip to Wild Iris two years ago. And I was, and I saw, huh, well, that worked pretty well. This is about what I did. Oh, eight weeks before I was doing repeaters on two finger pockets. Awesome. Let's do that again because it worked pretty well. And then bada bing, bada boom. But if I didn't have that, I don't know. Maybe I would have chosen the same thing or remembered a little bit, but five years down the line, I sure am not. Plus, it's really cool to look back at what you were doing two or three years ago and go, wow, that used to be hard and now it's super not hard. But if you don't have written notes about what you did or a plan or direction of where you want to go or what physical attributes you're trying to tune up when. I don't really know what we're doing here. I forget which coach always says it. Someone always says it, but I always say, and a lot of people always say, what gets measured gets managed. So if you're not keeping track of things somehow, and this doesn't have to be complicated. If you've never started training before and you are completely averse to bouldering, Your tracking system could be, I need to go climbing three times a week. One time a week, I am going to boulder. I will try one boulder that is hard. And your tracking system can be literally a tally, but like you need something to keep track of. So it doesn't have to be complicated, but not knowing anything about what you're doing or putting even a little bit of thought into it and having some kind of measurement with it in some capacity is not not ideal if it's really important to you to get better at rock climbing. Yeah, which I think most people, it, it definitely is. And then, it, yeah, it's taking that that next step further. And that's one of the things that I love about you the most is you are so measured and organized. And you pretty much like when we always like we talk and you're like, hey, look at my spreadsheet. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, what doesn't get measured? Like you can't monitor it and you can't see progress from that. So what are some of those main things that you're really measuring either for yourself or for clients that you use to see growth within your climbing? Good question. So I really like at the beginning of every training cycle, 
with my athletes, we do a three-day assessment. I actually, Chris Hampton over at the power company is nice enough to let me leverage his database. So I use that um, and I use their assessment model because it takes care of your finger strength, your maximum pulling power, your finger endurance, if you will, as well as your general forearm endurance. And there's a few tests that we run through there. So I think it's a really good thing to do. Personally, I end up running through it maybe two to three times a year just to kind of see where I'm at. But I'd say the big things that are good for climbers to test, max max hang on a 20 millimeter edge is just a really good standard thing to know. Um, your max added weight pull up is a good thing to know as well. And maybe two rep max is a slightly better metric to measure just because you can't quite cheat it as much, but one or two rep max for that is a good thing. What's another test that I think is really helpful? Your campus slap. It's kind of like the vertical jump of rock climbing. So you, you hang on a campus board, your feet are off, and then you just see how far you can slap. Use whatever edge you need to, but that's another good thing to measure just to see like where you're at in terms of raw pulling power and those are some nice climbing specific metrics to sort of take care of but personally other things I've measured in the past so when I was in quarantine I was really focused on finger strength and pulling power because that's honestly the easiest thing to work on when you don't have anything else to work on and I knew that my pulling power needed some work so I would measure my finger strength every 10 10 weeks or so just to see where it was at and where it was trending. So it definitely trended upward when you were hang, when I was hangboarding a lot. Yes. So those are some things to sort of keep track of. And then other things that I think are interesting to track are, man, it's hard to say, but your bouldering sessions are a good thing to keep track of as far as, you know, what, how hard are boulders that you're working on versus what style they are. I have, it's like the war on pinches for me always. So I kind of make sure that I like, right, what kind of boulders I'm working on and make sure that I'm auditing myself. Like, are you avoiding the blobs and the pinches, Lauren? Or are we actually working on this? So if there's like a style of hold, that's another thing too. Other things that don't have to be complicated, but like if you know you're bad at a certain hold or a certain style, if you're like, oh, I hate steep. It's like, okay, well then just, you know, make it a goal like two times a week. I am going to spend 15 minutes working on a steep boulder problem or a steep route or something. And then you like check off that you did it. Like that's another easy way to track. Like, are we actually working on the things that we're bad at? So yeah, it really doesn't have to be hard. Like 99% of this stuff, you can just scribble down on a notebook. And then obviously with like strength training type things. Yeah. Write your sets, reps what weight you were using, etc. But keeping track of this is good. And then you get to be the cool notebook nerd at the gym. And people come up and ask you, hey, what's in your notebook? And if for some reason you're a girl who's looking for attention at the climbing gym, you're going to get questions about it. If you don't want attention, pop those headphones in and stare at your notebook like you're mad. It's great. You can like hide your face. Good. It's a great tool for so many things. It is good. It's yeah, it's like um pretending you're busy by walking around with a clipboard. Nobody will ask you questions. So exactly. Yeah, it's a great exactly. distraction technique. So tell me a little bit more about your s'more goal setting that you do with your clients. <laughs> this is honestly one of my favorite concepts. And I am so glad that you came up with this because it adds a whole new element. Because I think a lot of people, you know, we've heard like the smart goals, we've heard that, but I don't think it really like works for a lot of people. And I don't 
don't like for me, it just doesn't resonate because I'm like, that is not it's like too basic almost. So tell me how you take that to the next level. Okay, right. I don't I don't know why I thought of this, but I was on a climbing trip and they came up with it. I literally woke up at four in the morning and I was like, s'more, this is way more fun. So and smart just sounds too corporate. <laughs> corporate America is room and smart goals, even though it's a really good acronym, like all things considered. It really it has it covered and it's a word that makes sense whatever but s'more is way more fun and we're outdoorsy people so we like campfires or something like that so here we go s'more goals s stands for specific m stands for measurable o stands for on the calendar r is for reasonable and e is for exciting so perhaps why corporate america cannot have s'more goals is because certain goals just aren't exciting so when we're talking about climbing we can be a little bit more like so why i think it's important to have goals that are all of these things but exciting is really the the different one if you don't have a climbing goal that excites you and lights you up when you're trying to train and let's be real guys like climbing training isn't always fun sometimes it's fun some days it's a friggin' grind so having a goal that excites you and gets you out of bed in the morning, you're like, oh, the only time I have to train is from six to eight, but I super would rather sleep. Then you can think of this, you know, beautiful route or exciting goal that you have. And that will hopefully propel you out of bed. But that's why I like bringing up exciting with my athletes, because it's it's just so important to actually be excited about what you're doing. Not that you have to love every single route that you do. I do think there's some value in picking routes that you know you're not going to love the style on and things of that nature, too. So we have to challenge ourselves and push ourselves. But maybe you'll at least be excited that you're expanding your horizons, even if you're like, mm, I do not want to climb that friction slab but we should. So this is me. I'm talking about myself. I'm, I really need to climb more slab. So I'm excited about the prospect of being a better slab climber. The act of climbing slab is exciting in a different way in which it is scary, but I digress. So yes, that is s'more goals. A lot of things shared with smart, but just with a twist. Yep. And on the calendar too, I think is so important. And that goes back to, to like having a plan. I mean, so you can totally write your own plan. There's enough information out there on the internet, but I know you and I have both talked about this and we both have climbing coaches and kind of like how big of a change that made for both of us being like, oh my God, I don't have to write my own training plan. Like, tell me a little bit more about that. Did it free up mental capacity for you? Like, how did you feel after you hired a coach? Oh my gosh. It was a great decision. Yeah. So part of the reason I ever became a climbing coach is because I used to write my own training plans. And I think a lot of what I learned came from writing stuff myself and figuring it out. So I'm glad I didn't like skip that step because it was very important to where I'm at today. But now that I write a stupid amount of training plans, for a living, I cannot do it for myself anymore. It's really hard to, to keep yourself accountable because when I had sort of the confines of a nine to five, it was very much like, this is the time I am going to train and I've written it for myself. And my fun hobby is that I'll write my own training plan. But now that I run my own business and there's literally 
infinity amount of things that I could do every day. I could just let work completely overrun my life and never go training. So that accountability of having a coach that I've invested in that has invested time in me to give me what I need is very important and helps me actually show up for my training. Plus, I just want to be supported too. So I'm glad to have a climbing coach that helps me do that. Plus, I think it's so hard once you get to a certain place, like what you're going to write for yourself will get stale and you will somehow not challenge yourself and it'll just happen. I used to believe that if I trained more than three days a week that my elbows would explode or something. I don't know. It was this weird whatever, but it got to a point where it was like, Lauren, you actually in this power endurance phase, it might behoove you to train five days a week so that you can be ready for this trip. And it's actually going to be fine. And it was. So there are things that we just, it's really hard to push yourself because we have our own blinders about what our limits are to some extent. So having someone else train you or coach you is definitely going to be helpful once you get there in your climbing career. So very glad to have a coach because I just, I don't know if it would happen if it were me and myself anymore. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. I mean, we're, yeah, we're so biased. And for me, it's like, when I'm training, I'm like, yep, literally would have never written this for myself. Not that I don't enjoy it, but I just wouldn't have thought of it. You know, it's like, it's either out of my wheelhouse, or it's just something that I kind of like shut the idea of, like shut the idea down beforehand. And for you, like, what are some of your favorite training myths to bust? So like, for you, you had that one of like, oh, if I train more than three days a week, like this isn't going to be good for my elbows. Ooh. Okay. This is a, mm, this is a fun one. So I had an athlete where we did a lot of exercises that were not necessarily clubs. There were variations and they were pulling exercises, but we never did any pull-ups in our 12, 14 weeks together. And he communicated to me after the fact, when he did his post-assessment, he said, you know, I was really worried that my max weighted pull-up was not going to have changed or that my pull-ups were going to have gotten worse or something because we never did pull-ups. Well, that's not how it worked at all. And he did have significant gains in his max weighted pull-up and a lot of different things. And not that I'm anti-pull-ups because I definitely program pull-ups and weighted pull-ups. And I think they're a great exercise. But for people that have ever had elbow issues or anything of that nature, or just are doing a lot of climbing already, you can really get a lot done with not just doing more pull-ups. And as climbers, we definitely need that horizontal pulling component too. Like we do so much, there's so many exercises that are very accessible that are more in a vertical position. So doing something like a barbell row or a kettlebell row is a really good alternative. And honestly, we do horizontal pulling when we climb. If you're on a roof, you're pulling more horizontally than vertically. So it's an important thing to train, but that's a, that's a fun one. You don't have to do pull-ups to train for climbing. And sometimes you don't need to be doing any pulling exercises. I've had some athletes that come from a strength training background where they've only been climbing for maybe a year or so and they're at V4, V5-ish and they have, you know, goals to climb harder than that, but they already can do a weighted pull-up of body weight plus 100 pounds. So we're talking about a 160, 170 pound male that can do that already. It's like, 
well, uh, we could not work on pulling for probably six months. And there's a lot of other stuff that we can work on. So that's a, that's a fun one. You don't always have to do pull-ups. They're all, they're pull-up alternatives when you are a rock climber that wants to get stronger. And I'm sure you have like isometric holds, obviously in your, in your isometrics program. So, you know, oh, we yeah. don't always have to be pulling up all the time. Oh yeah. And sometimes it's better too. It, it either gives people a break, it gets them out of their comfort zone and it makes them try really hard too sometimes because yeah, just like having somebody else write a plan for you, like you almost don't want to disappoint that person, you know, like they put so much time and energy into your plan and you're like, okay, well, if I can't show up for myself, at least I can show up for somebody else. And it's like, yeah, that accountability piece is huge. And allowing, I think that trust aspect of hiring a coach, like trusting somebody else that they're going to take care of you. I think like for me mentally, like giving that to somebody else to do for me, I felt so good after that. And it was just like such a relief. Oh, 100%. Knowing that someone else is in your court about your climbing in a very committed way when you're pouring that out for so many other people feels really nice. <laughs> yes. It is a good feeling. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially, yeah, if you're somebody that either is a service provider, maybe you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, if you're holding space for people in that capacity and you're taking care of people, you need to also make sure that you're being taken care of as well. So seeking out those opportunities for other people to do things for you. So for you, like, what is one of your favorite parts about being a coach? You know, yeah, you can say like, oh, it's the transformations that I see in my clients or whatever it is. But I think for you, like you came up on the scene and it was all of a sudden it's like, yep, Lauren, like she does a really great job. She can work with people that are more advanced, like people that are trying to climb five or or, sorry, V12. You know, she can also work with people that are just starting. So what's your favorite part about being a coach? I really think it's the relationships that I build with all these different people from different places. It's crazy. I have athletes anywhere from Canada to Germany to Finland. It's just nuts. I get to meet so many different people with so many different walks of life. And it's really awesome to support people in their weekend warrioring and, you know, their after work hours. Because I think I just really like training adults, honestly, because I think it's so cool that there's people that are not just, I don't want to be a jerk and be like people that are not willing to become boring old adults. But I really love working with people that are you know, like moms that have kids that, you know, need, they need their me time too. And I'm glad that they're using it to invest in a sport like climbing because it's such a beautiful way to challenge yourself. And I know it can be viewed as a selfish pursuit, but I really think that if you're putting time into doing something for yourself, it helps remind other people that it's okay to take time to do what you love to, to like fill yourself up as well. So it's really cool to help people like spend their free time being fulfilled by a sport and sometimes beaten down by a sport because climbing can be really hard, but it's cool to support people (laughs) through that process. And yeah, just, it's really nice. I think that's what I like the most Yeah, it's a lot more emotional, I think, than we give it credit for sometimes. Like, yeah, we like to try hard and do all of this stuff. But like, yeah, it's that support piece and being able to talk to somebody and verbalize what you're feeling because, yeah, it's a it's a struggle sometimes. You know, it's a self-imposed struggle, but that doesn't mean it's, you know, any less valid. So tell me about the ways that people can work with you right now. Tell me about some of the cool things that you have coming up. Ooh, okay. so as of today, I just have a couple of 
VIP one-on-one coaching spots. Those open every now and again. It's usually every three or four months, a handful of spots will open up to work with me in a more one-on-one capacity where you receive customized training. If you're in my VIP program, we do monthly Zoom calls where we talk about everything and you're able to message me all the time. And that's where we celebrate a lot of these little wins throughout your training program, which is a really fun way for me to connect with people. I also offer more self-directed training program options as well. So same thing, those open up every few months or so. I also have a group program that is currently running. that is called Breakthrough, where I'm partnered with a nutritionist named Caitlin Holmes. She's awesome. Listen to her podcast episode too. (laughs) But we're running a group program where we teach climbers about training and nutrition. And also they have customized nutrition and training programming through us. And finally, I have some another more cool offers coming up where you can work with me or work with my style of programming, if you will, in a more self-directed capacity. So that will be coming very soon. So yes, expanding all kinds of different ways to work with me and get your training done in the time you have. Yes. And I will link everything. So where you can find Lauren on Instagram, if you're not already following her, make sure to get on her email list so that you don't miss any updates for when she comes out with these things because her spots go super fast. That they do, which thanks for the help, Chelsea. (laughs) But (laughs) no, it's been awesome. It's been really, it's been so cool to just get to work with tons of different people from from different places. Oh, also I have a blog. I have more than 80 blog posts about climbing training and all of my adventures and shenanigans throughout the years. So you can, you can go way, way back to like three years ago when I originally started the blog where I was like, well, I would like to climb 511B. I'm going to figure out how to train myself. We're going to do it. So yeah, you can look all the way back through the archives, but I've got a lot of different topics ranging from hangboarding to is running good for climbing and everything in between. Yes. Yeah. Lauren is a very talented writer, so you will enjoy reading through those posts as well. You're going to learn a ton. So I'll link everything in the show notes for where you can learn more about Lauren, what she's offering, and make sure you keep up to date with her. And are there any other things that you want to share before we sign off? Just keep trying hard, getting out of your comfort zone, check your knot, and be nice to your friends and people that aren't your friends. There's my, there's my advice. <laughs> be nice to everyone. Thank you so much for yeah, being be nice on. To yeah. <laughs> and if you only talk to boys at the climbing gym, just don't talk to them. It's fine. <laughs> You've heard, you've heard it now. So you have now full permission to ignore men at the gym if you do not wish to talk to them. So thank you so much for Lauren for coming on and I will link everything so that people can connect with you further. We really love to hear what you're enjoying about this show and it helps me to know what you want to learn more about. Also, be sure if you haven't yet, go leave a rating and a review that helps me more than you can know. And I'm so happy to have almost 55 star reviews already for me that just, it literally means so much to know that this message that I have is resonating, it's impactful, and it's really making a difference. So be sure if you haven't yet, go leave a rating and a review and I will talk to you next episode.